God's Word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. As the circumstances of the world become more extreme and confusing, we must tune our ears to the voice of our Heavenly Father. His revelation is essential to navigate the road ahead. Welcome to Current Affairs with Sam Soul. Now as we move into the contrasting and inherently conflicting economies of the sixth and of the seventh day. Uh, in Genesis chapter 4, we'll start with the birth of Cain. And it says in verse 1, Now Adam knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, and said, this is Eve saying, I have acquired a man from the Lord. That's an interesting word, isn't it? With the help of the Lord, I have acquired a man. So let's, let's delve into that for a moment. The word Cain, Cain, Q-A-Y-I-N, Cain, it actually is a, um, in Hebrew, it's related to Kenite and has an affinity with Kana. But it's, that's not so much the thing as I have acquired a man. This acquisition is quite similar to the name Cain. It's Kana, Q-A-N-A-H, Kana. In fact, one may readily conflate the two. So to acquire and Cain are essentially indistinguishable. And it means to attain as in a buyer, uh, to procure by implication by purchase, to recover, to redeem, so it would appear that the mother was, in, in naming Cain, saw it as a continuity in the flesh, that she's rebooted in a sense uh, with the help of the Lord in other words, God enabled me and I acquired a man. I purchased for myself a man. This very much has to do with her sense of continuity, that she will continue. Uh, it has the overtones to it of being vindicated, 
being authenticated, lasting. I've acquired a man. Isn't that fascinating? By contrast, she bore again, and this time, his brother Abel. Abel. And he became a keeper, uh, which is related to the word Hebel. Um, the name Hebel uh, is the way the Hebrews pronounce it, but if you look at it closely, it has two meanings to it. One is Ab, A-B, and the other is El, E-L, Abel. Ab is father in Hebrew, and El is God, Abel, God as my father. And he is a keeper of sheep, but Cain is a tiller of the ground. What does that tell you? It means right here. By the sweat of your brow, you will live as a man. With the help of the Lord, his mother said, I have produced a man, a man who lives by the sweat of his brow vocationally. Unequivocally, Cain is the indication of the step backward from a son of God to a son of man. With the help of the Lord, I have produced a man. The number of the beast is the number of a man. It says so. Look, in, uh, well, you've read it before. I'm simply reminding you of what you read. Go back to uh, the book of Revelation, the 13th chapter toward the end of the chapter. What does it say? Here is wisdom, verse 18. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. His number is 666. Three sixes in type and shadow, it matches to the obverse of it, which is 777. Three times the number of completion is the number of God. Why is six the number of a man? That's what no one has asked, or not that I know of, it's just assumed that six is the number of man, but why? Because it symbolizes the economy that supports a man. Cain takes after it, 
instantaneously. He becomes a tiller of the ground, fully embracing the economy that he lives by the sweat of his brow, tiller of the ground. Now, what is produced from the ground is not cursed. So wheat and all of that, that's not where the curse was. The curse upon the ground was on the reduction of your space, the reduction of your economy, the reduction of your inheritance, thorns and thistles, shrinking your domain. That's what it meant. That's what thorns and thistles, the curse upon the ground meant. So fruit born out of the ground is not cursed. What is cursed about it is an understanding that you, by the sweat of your brow, are responsible for your own economy. Anybody who has that mindset can be threatened. Why subsequently did mankind develop the worship of false gods? What was the primary uh, focus upon the gods, the gods of ancient Egypt, the gods of ancient Babylon, the gods of ancient Greece? Why did they sacrifice and what did they sacrifice? to these gods. Why did they and what did they? They sacrificed primarily blood in the hope of what? Of good harvests, good crops, good flocks, good herds, still in the economy based in the fear of not having enough. Their relationship to God became that of appeasement, not of an actual sonship relationship with the Father, for they had no inheritance. There is not an inheritance evinced by the sweat of the brow. It's toil, it's labor, it's doing by your own strength. That is why faith is our epistemology, the term pistis being the word faith, that has two components to it. Whoever comes to God, number one, must believe that God is, and number two, that He rewards those who diligently seek Him. The entire showing of the scriptures regarding the supply of Israel in the wilderness was to present a juxtaposed perspective to the toil and the labor of Egypt. They had been cultured to the sweat of their brow and so God reacquainted them with the rest of His provision, 
manna out of heaven. And when he brought them into the land of Canaan, he continued this this type and shadow reference by giving them houses they did not build and fields and vineyards that they had not planted. That's why. Why was he angry with them and swore that they would never enter into his rest? Because for 40 years they saw the continuous provision of God in an economy that was not based on the sweat of their brow. Forty years, a generation, enough time to cure the taint of Egypt. But they kept deferring and deferring and deferring belief by which they could enter into his rest. They were guilty of two things, but it really was the same thing of unbelief and disobedience. These are the same word in the Greek, it's the word apatheo, the word for apathy. They would not enter into his rest by always saying, we'll get around to it tomorrow, apatheo. And God concluded for them that they would never enter into his rest. And that's why the statement of Hebrews, so today if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart, is so perfectly applicable. And he calls their time in the wilderness the time of the rebellion. Forty years they rebelled against God. Forty years failing to come back into the seventh day. This is serious, folks. We should fear lest we fail to enter into His rest and the fear should be that we are vulnerable to the threats of the enemy if we do not enter into His economy of the seventh day. This is a theme that is not some ancillary theme to the Scriptures, this is one of the principal supporting themes of the primary idea of Scripture which is the conflict between the sons of God and the sons of men. The sons of men who may be co-opted by the threat to their economy, the sweat of the brow. That is the point of friction, that is the point of tension in all of human history, in all of man's dealings with God. Why then does it surprise us that A, the first, the number of a man is, is that he is in the sixth day. He is living by the sweat of his brow. He is living by his own will and his own strength. That's what it means for it to be the number of a man. And the first of these men is the man of the sixth day. He goes backward from rest into the sixth day of toil. With the help of the Lord, I have acquired a man. In this economy, 
Men may be acquired. Men may be enslaved. In this economy, you're always hoping to have enough. So you're driven beyond today, you're driven to pick up the troubles of tomorrow on the basis of what if. What if my barns are empty? What if my crops fail? What if my herds throw their young prematurely? What if, what if, what if, what if? When can you be at rest in the constancy of the dirge of the what if? When can you actually rest? Does one rest when he's a millionaire? (laughs) No. Does one rest when he's a billionaire? No. You're always running ahead of the footsteps behind you. And those footsteps are, what if something happens and you lose it all? What if? And so we see preachers twisting the scriptures to try to extract from God enough prior provisions that may be stored up so they don't have to trust God. Do you understand that the bulk of the psychology behind the live your best life now philosophy is to get God to give you ahead of time more than you need presently so that you won't have to trust Him in the future. Nobody says that, but all you have to do is push the argument just a little bit further down its naturally inclined path and that is the inevitable conclusion. Why did Israel never enter into his rest? Because every day while they were collecting the manner of the day, they were worried about tomorrow. What if there isn't enough tomorrow? Why else would they not trust God, having seen His miraculous provision for 40 years? What prevented them from entering into the rest that He is in and has been in since the creation? What would prevent anyone? the fear that you're not going to have enough tomorrow. Now that is the fear that absolutely entraps. Well, these two brothers, one in the sixth day, the other clearly in the seventh day. How do we know that? Well, because he offers offers Christ in type and shadow. I do not know if this were the first lamb sacrificed in the history of mankind. I rather suspect that God, when He clothed 
Adam and Eve with the skins of animals, clothed them in a lamb, in the skins of a lamb, or of lambs, representing type and shadow how the last Adam would redeem the first Adam, or how the first Adam would be redeemed in the last Adam. That would, that would be, now that's not said in the scriptures, that's how I think about it. But inasmuch as it is not definitive, we are sure that this is the first reference in scripture that's uncomplicated uh, of a lamb being offered. And in that sense, you have the two economies present side by side. One offers the sweat of his brow, the product, that which is produced by the sweat of his brow, the other offers an atoning lamb and they're both presented to God. If you understand the dynamic supporting and surrounding these two things, inevitably the conclusion has to be that by the works of the flesh shall no flesh be justified. You can't save yourself once you've stepped outside of fellowship with God. You have to be brought back in and that by the atoning sacrifice of the one who is qualified to cover us as a propitiation, as a covering by whom we may be presented to the Father. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself the type and shadow of which appearing early here in Genesis 4 is that of a lamb, the blood of a lamb. The language is, is fascinating. It's the language that says, if you do, when, when God rejected Cain's sacrifice, and accepted Abel's, Cain's countenance. Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, Sin lies at the door. Sin lieth at the door. Here, the word lies is to crouch, to crouch, as in a lion. It's the word rabats. like a recumbent animal. In short, sin is about to pounce on you when you take this attitude of supplying by your own strength. Sin crouches at your door. Sin lies at your door, rabat like a crouching lion. 
ready to spring on you. So your house is not a place of refuge. Your house is not a place of rest. You know what happens after that. I won't take you through it. What happens clearly is Cain invites Abel to walk with him in the field and murders him, clubs him to the ground. And God said that the blood of his brother cries out to God from the ground. I mentioned to you that it was always going to be enmity between the dwellers of the seventh day, the sons of God, the inheritors of grace, those with a a clerou, a clerical or clergy inheritance, an allotment, who work from a position of rest, and those who live by toil and are supplied by the sweat of their brow. Nowhere in this story does it tell us that Abel was angry. Nowhere in the story does it tell us that his countenance was wroth or disturbed. And in no place in the story did sin crouch at his door waiting to pounce on him. The man in the seventh day is a man in turmoil, whose soul is in unrest, who's constantly moving ahead of the storm, and who can only have a relationship of appeasement with God, hoping that what he supplies by by the works of his hands pleases God. What was he thinking? God enjoys uh, the fruit of uh, his agricultural production. But you know what this displays to us? If you're in the sixth day, not thinking as a son of God, listen to me, you're going to view God as a man. You don't have a view of God as God, as a spirit. The only view of God you can have if you live in the economy of the sixth day is that of a man. And what pleases the man you believe will please God. You think that God thinks like a man. And as long as you're in that mindset, as long as you see that God is not a spirit but a man, you can be threatened by your economy and you will always ask God, the highest you can ask for of God is as it affects your health and your wealth. You cannot rise above that. And anyone who lives in the reality of rest in God, you will view as your enemy. 
You cannot abide his or her presence because your whole posture of being self-sufficient and that all of your needs you are accurately meeting will be destroyed just by the existence of someone who lives only doing what they see the Father doing, lives giving place to the Father to be who the Father is. You'll always be in awe of what they come up with because they're speaking from a realm above where you are and you don't know how to get there because you can't study your way to it. The spirit of wisdom and revelation are how you discern the number of the beast. I'm Sam Solon. I'll take you through the next two sixes which will be, so we've had the first six which is Cain, the man, hence the number of a man. Then we look to how the next two sixes are presented to us and then we look at the final three sixes and the way they are designed to capture every ambition outside of the purview of the sons of God and the kingdom of God. I'm Sam Solon, we'll talk about these things next. Bye-bye.